0: You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 513, World Cup Preview. Joined as always with Eddie, and joined for the first time by a new person, Ollie. Well, he's on a new. So Eddie, would you? He's on a new person.
1: He's just not been on the podcast before. He has existed for a while. He
0: looks looks new to me. Yeah. <laughs> we just created him. Eddie, why don't you get out of the way? What you want to say about how the weather is really shitty in France right now? And then we can get weather's okay. Get on to Ollie and let our listeners learn a little bit about Ollie. No, the weather's okay. Because I've got some... Okay. It's unseasonably warm. It's not quite... I don't know if you've seen the images
1: of the England team struggling to deal with the heat in Qatar and the uh, (laughs) standing in front of fans blowing mist on them. But that didn't fill me with confidence. We'll get on to that later. But that didn't fill me with confidence when it comes to their prospects for the World Cup.
0: Ali, how's it going? Welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you for having me. It's been a while since I've uh, I've probably listened to... uh... Over 90% of your episodes, yeah, finally on. Well, Looking forward 100, to it.
1: 100? Wow. <laughs> I mean, why have you missed some? But yeah, you've been often <laughs> mentioned on the podcast so far, never seen before. So yep. this will be such a treat for our dedicated listeners to, you know, I think the the only remaining sort of, you know, the, the Moby Dick of the podcast is getting Vasilis on for an episode at some point. I don't, think,
0: I don't think we should put anywhere near the words bacillus and Dick. <laughs> He'd get excited. He would appear then. <laughs> so I guess, Eddie, you know, as as we used to do in the beginning of the podcast for our listeners to get to know us better, we had icebreaker questions. So I've got a few icebreaker questions for Ali so that the listeners can get to know him a little better. So we'll start with the one that we've done all previously, which is, who is your celebrity look-alike?
2: Uh, let's go with Olivier Giroud. Oh,
0: wow! <laughs> Coming out of the gate, hot.
2: Wow. <laughs>
1: We'll post. I will tell you what, this is a, this is a perfect opportunity for us to say you can follow the Big Chill podcast on Twitter and Instagram, and we'll post a side by side of Ollie and Olivier Giroud, and we'll have a little poll. People can vote whether or not that is a even reasonably sort of sensible comparison.
2: In fact, he looks like now, me as soon as I'm older. So let's get let's put it out there. Oh wow, even wow. So you so
1: so then he's not your lookalike. Olivier Giroud would say. Ollie is my lookalike. When is, so you have, when to pick is, a, you have to pick someone else then. You have to pick someone older. George Clooney, maybe?
0: No, well. We'll, <laughs> uh, uh, we'll let that one go. That's a pretty good one. But to be even considered the Walmart version of Olivia Giroud is, is pretty impressive. So, all right. Next question. If you were an Olympic athlete, what sport would you compete yeah, that's in? Quite now, I know you're not going to say sprinting because we all know you didn't do so well on
2: that. Yeah, if, if, <laughs> if, if, if you want to take credit for, for beating an older guy who doesn't gym, then kudos to you, pal. But... Oh, wow.
0: Wow. He's coming <laughs> out hot.
2: <laughs> so, okay. And what is the actual Olympic sport you would choose? Triple jump, obviously. Triple jump. It's, it's the okay. event I competed in when I was younger. Okay. 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 Jonathan Edwards over here. Exactly. I got, I got the gray hair to match it. Yeah. And the weird religious beliefs. All right. No? Next. And the weird boy.
1: Religious beliefs. Next one. Oh yeah, Frank wants to move. I think no, Jonathan,
0: that is not. A, that is I think Jonathan that.
1: Edwards is like a Christian scientist. Right. I think. Wasn't aware of that.
0: Maybe he's something strange. <laughs> All right. What's your go-to karaoke song? Uh,
2: can I say I avoid karaoke? Is that an answer?
0: Well, doesn't look great on you.
2: Very true. <laughs> uh, I've seen you do karaoke. Ooh, yes.
0: I think I have too, oh, really? actually. yeah, I definitely
2: have. I must have been very intoxicated. Let's, let's, let's <laughs> go for the little Backstreet Boys number. I want it that way. If that's the correct song title, uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, we'll go with that one. I okay. love a bit of Backstreet Boys.
0: Last one. What blog or website are you embarrassed to admit you love? Wow, I don't know if I look at many. I think mine would have to be Yahoo. I'm one of four remaining loyalists to <laughs> Yahoo.com, <laughs> and the others own Yahoo. <laughs> uh.
2: <laughs>
0: no, they gave up a long time ago. <laughs> Are you a Buzzfeeder?
2: No, I don't. I don't really. That's what I like to be called, like.
0: Buzzfeeders. Probably not. Are you a Buzzfeedist?
1: <laughs> so no, no answer there. You don't read like Olivier Giroud's secret blog or something? No, no. Well, I guess. At least you bringing up Olivier Giroud means that we can, you know, go from transition from one extremely attractive male footballer to another and speak about the trials and tribulations of Cristiano Ronaldo before we get on to the World Cup, which he will be taking part in. But seemingly his time at Manchester United has well and truly come to an end after he decided to have an interview with Piers Morgan, during which he was critical of owners, players, Managers, Brexit, pretty much everyone. <laughs> uh, his, his image has been removed from the outside of Old Trafford. It seems that Manchester United are looking into the legal options that they have available to them. So it's likely that his contract is going to be terminated in one way or another, and he might be even, even be sued. So a very abrupt ending to, you know, a kind of sad ending for someone who was such a fan favorite.
0: It uh, kind of tarnishes his reputation slightly. Yeah, this did not work out very well. <laughs> like, this this has collapsed quickly. It's, you're right. I think it is kind of a shame, right? I think most fans were excited to see him come back, and I think even he was excited to come back, and, and it's just not worked out well at all.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's going to end up in this weird way. He might get to the end of his career and kind of not really be like a legend at any particular club. This kind of removes his light, you know, like it's, it's going to be very difficult for him to repair the, you know, the, the relationship with Manchester United now. So it'll be difficult to see him being accepted back as a club legend at any point in the future. Juventus, definitely not. He never really delivered on what he went there to do, which was to win the Champions League. He was immensely successful at Real Madrid, but still never really developed like a close relationship with the fans themselves. So kind of has this weird, as one of the greatest footballers of all time, will be left with these kind of strange relationships with the clubs that he played at. It's kind of homeless. <laughs> so, Ollie, you're a, you're a Chelsea supporter. It's been mentioned many times on the podcast in the past, and I know you're disappointed that sometimes we don't pay enough attention to Chelsea.
2: Would you take Cristiano Ronaldo at Stamford Bridge? I would, yes. I think wow. with Chelsea's current situation... Um, the fact that we can't score goals he may be a, a solution to that I mean he was wanted by Bowie originally when he took over and Tuchel obviously closed the door on that and now Tuchel's gone depending on how, how much uh, sway Potter has on the side Cause I know they've recruited and gone heavy in backroom staff on technical directors and all the other titles they have, but I mean, looking at the odds as as you guys do for uh for the podcast, I mean, surprisingly, he's still two to one to stay at United, and he's three to one to join Chelsea or Sporting Lisbon. Even though they shouldn't be called Sporting Lisbon, Is that yeah. What?
1: Oh, there you go. Yeah. Something for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's an interesting one. It's difficult to work out. We've sp- spoken about it before. It's difficult to work out like a viable landing place for him. I think Chelsea is, though. We've, we've mentioned Graham Potter's glow-up, right, on previous episodes. I'm sure he'd love to have Cristiano Ronaldo in the dressing room, maybe not for <laughs> footballing reasons, but just to give him, you know, help him manicure
2: his Even eyebrows. Even better glow-up. Yeah, just you keep how like, dress sense. It's a perfect fit. He, lo- he loves a roll-neck roll now, doesn't he, old Potter? He does,
1: yeah. It's an incredible transformation from what he was at Brighton. <laughs> Unrecognizable.
2: Yeah, no, I, 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 I would like to see him there. Obviously, you're probably going to see what half a season and a half out of him. But he says he wants to go to the next World Cup, mm-hmm. so that's two and a half years away, right? I don't so, see yeah. longevity for him at Chelsea for that amount of time. So maybe, maybe not the move, but obviously Lisbon will be the ideal because you can get away with it in the Portuguese league.
1: Yeah. yeah, it'd be diff- I, And it's strange, right? Because I also then don't know if even playing in the Portuguese league would really suit him because it's an extremely physical league, slower than the Premier League, but they are very, very physical there. It's one of those leagues that I think people from the outside just think of, they kind of think of Portuguese players, often the ones that are successful abroad as being sort of tricky, skillful players. And so I think that's what the image people have of what Portuguese football is like. But it's actually a pretty sort of
0: dirty physical experience. You not seen Ronaldo online. with his
2: top off? The guy's hench.
0: <laughs> yeah, isn't he? Isn't he? Isn't he a physical specimen? Yeah, I mean, but it doesn't he mean he necessarily be great. Wants there to, doesn't
1: necessarily mean he wants to be like being knocked over on a on a weekly basis by Portuguese defenders he's never heard of. You know, like that's.
0: What's he gonna look like, Rob Gronkowski, to play in a Portuguese league? Maybe, <laughs> maybe when he's nearly forty. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess you know the the main focus of this episode is our World Cup preview. So for everyone tuning in, I think this is a great opportunity. You know, whether you have a lot of knowledge on previous World Cup or you're just looking to get into it and you want some some neat facts, some good maybe some good betting tips, some things to watch for, I think this is going to be a good episode for everybody here. Um, so I think we probably should start with where it's being hosted and that's it. Oh he- <laughs> Eddie, listen, I got an like. email from FIFA this morning. We got to stick to football. <laughs> yeah, it's hard though, right? I mean,
1: they've done such a I think everyone came into this. We won't we won't go into too much detail about the situation in Qatar and and you know, the number of just issues with the fact that they're hosting the World Cup. And we've discussed some on previous episodes. But I think everyone would have gone into this with fairly low expectations as to how smoothly this world cup would go and with 48 hours to go until the first match actually kicks off it is even worse than everyone expected you've you know in a matter of they haven't
0: even inflated the balls yet no
1: but you've had (laughs) danish reporters being accosted by random qataris telling them they can't film you've got the fact that they've now gone back on their original decision to have alcohol sold in the stadiums during matches so that now the only way you can drink in the stadium is if you're in corporate hospitality so if you're spending 19,000 pounds plus to for the pleasure of drinking uh, probably extremely warm budweiser and then you uh, all of the images of the food situation there i mean i saw a, a picture on twitter go viral of a greek salad that someone had bought and it just looks awful i mean just it looks
0: like a disaster it, it but the training facilities don't look so bad, though. From what I've seen and what the players have said, they seem to be pretty nice. Where a lot of the the, the teams are training and staying and and sleeping and eating and, and pretty much doing everything in their own little bubble in their own facilities, they seem pretty nice. Yeah, I mean, it's the benefit, right? Grass grows really, really
1: well when the fertilizer used is the blood of migrant workers. So, <laughs> <it's-> wow. <laughs> it turns out if you're if you're if your lawn
0: is struggling to you know get nice and green that's the easy fix well with that <laughs> this is obviously the first time it's being hosted in the middle east and the first world cup to be played in the winter months which we've talked about in previous episodes is is going to be a little different for a lot of the players um, kind of half in season and then going to have to go right back into the season once this is over um, this is the costliest World Cup to date. Uh, it's a hundred and thirty eight billion pounds or two hundred and twenty billion dollars, which is about ten times more than the next most expensive one. So, very, very expensive. And the reason is because they had to build every single stadium from ground zero. So, not a good way to start a World Cup when you have you really, nothing on the ground. Really <laughs> want to be
1: using the term ground zero while we talk about a, <laughs> a World Cup based in the Middle East, there, Frank.
0: Different context. But with that, they're only playing in eight stadiums. So this is my first trivia question to both of you. True or false, this will be the smallest number of stadiums for any World Cup.
1: I'll weigh in on this one first. I would say that's false because I think the first ever World Cup was only hosted in a single
2: city. I was going false as well, but obviously didn't didn't have the stat to back it up as Eddie did.
0: Says with eight total, this will be the smallest number of stadiums of any previous World Cup. I don't believe that. <laughs> I don't know about 1930. Maybe there's a modern era
1: aspect to that. But I'd have to independently verify this. I'm pretty sure that the first ever World Cup was only held exclusively in Montevideo. So
0: maybe they had eight stadiums there. I've seen this. There. I've seen it in a few. So the biggest of the stadiums where the final we played is Lucille Stadium, and that's an 80,000-person capacity. So my next trivia question is, what is the largest ever attendance for a World Cup match? And this does vary since they don't have a a full stat because it was in 1950. So it's not perfect, but there's two numbers usually thrown out. So you just want the number? The number of spectators...
2: I'll let the guest go first. So kind. I'm going to go with 105,000. 105,000
0: from Ali. That's a pretty solid guess. I would have been right around that number. I'll go 110,000. 110. You are both very off. 173,000 is the number of spectators for a 1950 match between Brazil and Uruguay. Th- Some estimates say it was actually closer to 199,000. Well, I mean,
1: well, I don't know how much I can trust you, though. I've just done very quick Googling. The 1930 World Cup, only three stadiums were used. So we might have to throw... I don't out. think they
0: count that one. I it's think it's just the modern era. Okay. So we, <laughs> I didn't know. you got to throw these qualifiers in. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Next question. This is a good one. So... The football pitches in Qatar need more water than usual because it's in a fucking desert. <laughs> Each pitch needs about how many bathtubs of water every day? Oh, my God. It's going to be an outrageous one. I'm nightmare. glad he didn't
1: say buckets. Um, <laughs> this is just one day for one pitch. This is where we really need Sam because Sam always had just ridiculously inaccurate guesses like Sam's guess would be like seven so <laughs> <laughs> and then we
0: would oh well, actually Ollie, Ollie was gonna say eight but now you veered him off but, that. and then we'd
1: tell Sam that was that's really low and then he would be like well then three trillion you know he would have like nowhere in between uh I'll go for, I I feel like no matter what number I pick it's gonna be really far off I'll say the equivalent of ten thousand bathtubs
0: That That is insane.
1: Do you know how much water? (laughs)
2: 10,000? I don't know. I told you I was going to be off. Hmm. By Frank's reaction there.
1: Is he, is he double? Based on Frank's reaction, I would say I guess low.
0: (laughs) I'm going to go. So just for one. Keep in mind a bathtub holds a hundred liters of water. Maybe one of your fancy, big
1: bathtubs.
0: (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go two and half thousand. hundred, a hundred bathtubs of water per day. Oh, that's not even interesting. That's a terrible statistic. It's not even. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'm going to give you one now. That's really going to fuck with you. How many entry door mats would it take to cover one regular size football pitch? Uh, like a doormat. How many doormats will it take to cover a full pitch?
1: Um, What's the size of an average doormat? Like what footage are
0: we talking? One. Probably like. He's some time here. He's asking these questions. I'm just trying to work Three by it. two probably. Four by two Four maybe. Four by two. Feet. That's feet. Sorry. I'll go like 8,000. Okay. Five thousand. Eleven thousand nine hundred and eighty-four standard entrance mats. Okay. Wow. <laughs> you really <laughs> delivered on that one. This is the World Cup content everyone's been craving for. And with that, welcome to the World Cup. <laughs> so, how do we want? Do you want to go group by group?
1: And well, I discuss mean, they, a little bit. Maybe just because of the England stuff, we never really fulfilled our promise, right, to have this kind of England squad reaction, I guess, with Ollie here. Not do a full analysis of the England squad, but maybe just a sort of quick reaction to some of the fringe players, the decisions that were taken in terms of who was who was included. From my perspective, everything with the injuries and stuff, it kind of was a squad you thought would be there the only issue I have slightly is with Callum Wilson being included I think he's sort of there on merit obviously Tony was in contention but given his uh gambling escapades which the England team may well have been aware of there was probably no way they could have taken him because that would be a real headache right now but My only issue with Callum Wilson, I would have preferred to have seen someone, given the fact that there is a very strong chance that Callum Wilson barely gets on the pitch. Like if this World Cup goes well for England, probably the only time he plays is maybe in the third group game. Aside from that, we probably won't see much of him. And I feel like it's a wasted opportunity to not take someone. He's 30 years old, so this is probably his only World Cup. I would have taken someone younger so they can at least get the experience of what going to a World Cup is like. So that even if they don't get on the pitch, they still sort of, for the next World Cup, have some sense of what the environment was, and it just feels like the inclusion of Callum Wilson is a little bit of a waste. He could prove me wrong. Maybe, you know, he's been playing well this season. Maybe he comes off the bench and scores some important goals, or Harry Kane gets injured, and, but basically any scenario in which Callum Wilson is playing a significant part in this World Cup for the England team, something's gone really wrong.
0: Well, I guess kind of building off of that, what about, I think one of the other ones that people come maybe had issue with was Gallagher. What about that?
1: Well, Ollie probably has more knowledge of that as a Chelsea supporter than most <laughs> of us.
2: Well, I think that just echoes what Eddie said about taking a player that may not feature heavily on the field, but it's good experience to be in and around the, the squad in the environment. And I think Gallagher fits that profile, really. Um, I mean, he, he could feature, I mean, yeah, I mean, I could be biased, but I I think he's a really good player, and he, going forward, he offers a lot. Um, he could work a little bit on his more defensive side, but I don't think that's his sort of natural game. Um, so I think he could feature, but yeah, I I more see him as a a player to to be in the squad and and learn and sort of yeah take the experience away. And in, in four years' time, is it four years? Has it gone back to the? It's next, yeah. It's I guess
1: it's three and a half. Yeah, I think so, it's a two yeah. and a half earlier. Next it's time around, to. Yeah,
2: I fully expect him to be if he develops the way he's going to be sort of heavily involved, and he could he could sort of feature in the field alongside Bellingham. They could they could be a good future. So, yeah, no, I, I think it's a a good good inclusion. So we'll, well, we'll have to see. Yeah, I like him,
1: and it's not a position where England have a lot of strength and depth, really. So it's kind of hard to think of who would have been taken in central midfield instead of him. There's not that actually that many viable options. I think the big ones, the unlucky ones to miss out. I think Tamori is unlucky to miss out. I think Chris Smalling is kind of unlucky to miss out given how both of them have been really impressive in Syria. And if anything, you know, when we're trying to encourage England players to move abroad sometimes and get, in, get more experience and, maybe learn different styles of play in the way that could benefit them in international football. This is a great argument for why you shouldn't do it. Because this is basically saying if you move abroad, even if you're successful, people kind of forget that you exist. And both of these players have probably suffered from the fact that a lot of people aren't seeing them week in, week out. And so, you know, just are unaware of the success that they're having in Italian football.
2: Oh, were they seeing uh, much of Harry Maguire? I still don't understand that inclusion.
1: I can kind of get the Maguire inclusion just because he's been so good for England, that Germany match aside. So I don't know how as an international manager, it must be difficult to balance performance for you and your team versus performance outside of that, that you have no control over. And I can get from Southgate's perspective that he trusts Maguire and he feels like he has experience in big tournaments and that he can deliver for England in a way that he's not been for Manchester United. I kind of get him being in the squad. I don't think he should necessarily be starting, but.
0: I, I mean, how much of that, Eddie? Because we talked about, I think maybe last podcast or the one before, about how there's not much of a warm up going into this World Cup. I mean, pretty much they have not even a, almost a, a week, not even really, you know, being there and, and getting into it. So, how much of that do you think Southgate kind of has to way having people who have experience with a majority of the players and kind of knowing that they gel a little bit versus taking someone who might be performing better right now but doesn't have that year's worth of experience of playing with the same players yeah that's a good point the fact that
1: you know in other situations you would have had a couple of warm-up matches to try and integrate someone into a system they might not be familiar with and especially for central defenders and the relationship they have with each other and the relationship they have with a keeper is so important in terms of kind of having that understanding and, and knowing how to react to you know decisions that the other ones make so yeah that's another point in favor of harry Maguire. i'll just feel really really sorry for harry Maguire if he makes a catastrophic mistake like this is and and that's the worrying thing right because you don't want a player out there who's scared and you don't want a situation late in the game where Harry Maguire is more worried about making a mistake than he is about just, you know, kind of playing his game and, and doing well. So, so, yeah, I mean, if he, if he has like a David Beckham 98 moment, then, I mean, the effigies will be back.
0: And Harry Maguire effigies will be burned all over England, I think. So I guess I'll punt this one to Ollie then, too how big of a loss is Reese James and Ben Chilwell from being out of the squad
2: huge massive i mean Reese James is pff, come on leaps and bounds he's probably one of the best well right backs right wing backs however you want to look at it in the world let alone just for england he offers so much going forward you uh, can cross the ball obviously maybe not on Trent's uh, ability but he can deliver you can score goals and defensively he he's got it. So, not having him is huge and obviously Chelsea are feeling that in the league as well because we have no backup currently. As for La Quetta, should have left in the summer but yeah, that's another issue. So, Chilwell, he's been very injury prone recently so it's difficult to say Uh, but when he does play, he does again like James get four and scores goals and he does have a defensive sort of attitude so, I would have if he was fit. I would have played him over Shaw, but obviously Shaw's in in the pocket of Gareth as well, so that would have been hard for him. Um, so yeah, I think those two are huge losses. But I think, as we all know, we're quite blessed in the right back area. So hopefully, it shouldn't be too much of an issue. And I'm trying to think with the left back who would be cover if Shaw was to, to get injured or suspended? I don't, Trippier or, I don't really know who would, oh, Saka, would he? Would. Hopefully not. I think it's more likely to be
1: <laughs> Trippier, but
2: yeah, bit, I mean, yeah. Southgate
1: has played recently Saka at left back. So yeah, that might've been with that in mind, but I mean, it's the one positive if you wanted to put it, try and put some kind of spin on the situation is that, maybe these defensive injuries will force Southgate into being a little bit more aggressive in the style of play. I doubt it if at least with his first 11, but it'll be difficult for him to make negative substitutions because he kind of just doesn't have those players available anymore.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think from what I've read and heard from most people kind of analyzing England's squad, the I don't know if this is the word they're using, but this is a word I, I kind of thought of, is that they seem kind of stale in the sense that a lot of the players aren't on particularly great form or haven't even played that much for their, for their normal squad. And then you have the fact that overall their last few matches as in, together as England haven't been that exciting. So is that a worry at all?
1: Um, I don't know. I mean,
0: Jude Bellingham's in great form,
1: right? So he's playing extremely well. Uh Harry Kane is in good form this season. Rashford seems to have refound his form. Saka's having a good season. You know, I think there's a fair number of key players in the squad who you'd what say. What about in the back? Well, Ben White's <laughs> playing well, for sure. Kyle Walker's not really been playing. Um, you know, John Stones hasn't played the full season, but it's done all right. I guess Eric Dyer's been decent. Um, You know, the big question marks at the back in terms of form, it's Alexander Arnold and Maguire, really. And then for some other people, it's more fitness related, I guess, but in in the likes of Kyle Walker and and even Luke Shaw, who's kind of permanently injured, but yeah, I I don't think I don't have too much in the way, I'm not too concerned in terms of lack of form from um, when it comes to key players. And James Madison's in great form, right? It's just a question with some of these players about whether or not they'll, how involved they'll be. Like how involved is James Madison in this World Cup? Possibly not, you know, like we might never see him again. Like it might be, he might be in the Callum Wilson situation where he plays in the third group game because they're resting players for the knockout stage. Like if everything goes well, if you think back to the 2018 World Cup, where they played that dead rubber game against Belgium in the, with the final, in the final group game. And, you know, I don't know if it wasn't 11 changes, but it was near on. You can have that situation again in this group. And then
0: these players feature, and then we might really never see them. So I guess with that, we can kind of move in through some of the groups, but I do have some more trivia related to some of the teams that are going to be competing. So the first group question would be in this year with qatar having their first um match in the world cup they will make what team in total that have competed at the world cup how many total how many total countries have in the history of the world cup you mean in the history of the world cup do you want to go first or second on this one ollie i think
2: i'm gonna to have to go second i'm gonna to have to follow your lead on this one
0: I'll say seventy-five. Ali's mm. just counting them all in his head. He's just going back, starting from nineteen thirty, moving in. I mean, I guess
1: he's super technical about this, and like, uh, do you count USSR and Russia as two separate? Yeah, know?
0: I'm not sure what the calculation was for that. I
1: don't think this is going to make a major difference, right? But this is always one of those things when you talk. It might about make like a few Olympic medal situations and stuff, right? It always. How yep. do you assign those those records?
2: What was your, sorry, Eddie? 70. Uh, 75 was my number. I'm, I'm going to just slightly undercut that and go 65. They will be the 80th team. Oh, I'm pretty pleased with that.
0: Yeah, that was pretty good. I was pretty impressed that you were that close. So.
1: And now we're going to spend. The next 60 minutes, (laughs)
0: naming all 80 teams. (laughs) Oh, it's going to go through the list right now. Um, So, yeah, Qatar is currently 250 to 1 to win. But there have been how many countries that have hosted the World Cup and won? Oh, I feel like we should be able to get this one right, to be honest with you.
1: Um, If you go back and... Kind of try and work backwards, I guess. I guess the last one to have done it would have been France in 98. Correct. Um, obviously, England did it in 66. Brazil would have done it. I mean, they won in... So the first time they won it was in Sweden, I think. Like the first Pele World Cup, 1950, I think that is. Was that in Sweden, I think? Maybe. Mexico City it's ho- like Mexico's hosted it twice right Mexico've never won the world cup so it can rule them out
2: I'll say 4 Ooh that's a good yeah that's a good shout cuz I cuz I cuz I, I can't go 5 I'm going to have to go 3 So it's 6
0: Oh boy 6 times the host country has really? won Would you like to give us that list Yeah Or do you not have it I don't have it in front of me oh, <laughs> <laughs> This is
1: this is unreliable information
0: what team has qualified more than any other country, but has not won the World Cup? I'd say the Netherlands. If I had to guess,
1: oh, which I guess I have to. Yes, that's the point.
0: <laughs> now Ali will have to guess as
2: well. <laughs> can I? Can I have to guess the same team? <laughs> I think if you think, no, you can I, guess I think team. if you think that's the right answer, yeah, you that's exactly say it. what came to me straight away. It is
0: not. It is actually Mexico. They have qualified 16 times and have never won. Wow. I'll
1: answer the question, by the way, of the six countries that have won as hosts. So Uruguay in 1930, which we're not sure that that counts, according to Frank. Italy in 1934, we're not sure that that counts, according to Frank. (laughs) So England in 66, West Germany in 74, Argentina in 78, and France in 1998. So I guess based on your original parameters, Frank, my guess of four was correct because the
0: first two don't count. (laughs) It was just not for that one. (laughs) What team has played in the most finals and semifinal matches?
1: I mean, there's only two options as far as I'm concerned. It's either, uh, I mean, not to, it's either Brazil or Germany.
0: Like, which one would you like to guess? on. No, I'll guess Germany. Germany. They've also played the most World Cup matches ever at 106, and they have the tor- tournament's highest ever scorer. You mean with how many goals in a career? In a career, I think World Cup career. I think it's 16. It is 16. Yeah. Very nice. And how about number of goals in one World Cup? Back in nineteen fifty eight by Jus Fontaine. I'll say seven. Ollie wanna take a guess? Eleven. Close. Thirteen. Is the tournament record. I wow,
1: disappointed to get 13 in a single, single world cup and, and not hold the <laughs> overall record. at <It's> 16. <laughs> That's
0: I thought the same. I said at a point, does that make you like the worst and best player <laughs> in world cup history? The
1: Definition of a one hit wonder for a tournament. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then the last one I thought that I thought was pretty interesting is what's the longest unbeaten goalkeeper amount of time in world cup history. So, without conceding, you mean, or without losing a game? Without conceding a goal. Without conceding a goal. In minutes. Yes.
1: Do you want to go first or
0: second, Ollie?
2: I'll go first on this one.
0: Uh, Ollie just took out his calculator. He's he's doing some math behind the
2: scenes here. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go. Three hundred and sixty minutes. It's not bad. So you're saying four
1: matches. Without conceding, that seems like a f- pretty good guess. I will, I think that's right around the. I'm going to go above you because I think going below will be wrong. I'll say 427.
0: 517 minutes, wow. Walter Zenga of Italy in 1990. It's quite a streak. Yeah, that's a long time. So, with that, and speaking of Italy, let's. Not have to talk about them as we do our World Cup preview because they are one of the notable absentees from this World Cup. So I think, which is I think slightly disappointing, right? I mean, especially coming off the Euro, you'd want to see the team that won that to be in this, especially I think. No.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess the, the they were unlucky, right? That they drew Portugal in the in the playoffs because it then puts you in a situation of. If por- I'd rather have Portugal with potentially Cristiano Ronaldo's last World Cup be involved in this than Italy, who even when they're good, aren't particularly entertaining. You know, like Cristiano Ronaldo is going to bring, deliver a lot more storylines to this World Cup than Italy would have been able to. And that's with the utmost, and I'm not trying to annoy Italians, but like even when they're super successful, it's not exactly enthralling. So, and again, you, it's just that it's why I know people will say that like qualifying from South America is potentially harder than Europe. I think the argument in Europe is always that one big team always misses out.
0: Whereas in South America, they all make it every time. So then let me ask you this, this is kind of random, but do you think it's worse not having Italy? or not having Norway in it with the fact that with Norway, you're missing what, what might be the current best player in the world. I th- Is that kind of, I, I, I just think that's kind of sad that you don't have the best, one of the best players in the world on the world stage. Are you, are you talk- that's always kind of disappointing. Are you talking about Odegaard? Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I think in a weird way, if you're Erling Holland. Uh, even though this Norwegian team is actually, it's got a decent amount of talent in it, I almost feel like, and of course he would want to be taking part in the World Cup. I feel like it's kind of a win for him because the reality is he probably would have come to this World Cup, maybe scored a goal, got knocked out in the group stages.
0: (laughs) According to you, Eddie, if you say he maybe scores a goal, he probably would have scored 35.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, you know what I mean? Like there's... The reality of what the ex- oh no, I don't <laughs> I mean look at Lewandowski's international career at World Cups right like being one great goal scorer is not going to necessarily sort of move the needle as a as a international side so he he the likelihood was he turns up scores one or two goals and then people are saying what a disappointing World Cup for Erling Holland because the expectations would be if he's that good shouldn't he be able to Fire his team into like at least the quarterfinals. Now, of course, he maybe he could have done that because there are other good players in the Norwegian team like Odegaard. But and I again, I'm sure he'd love to be there because everyone would want to play in the World Cup. But
0: I don't know. It kind of grows the legend a little bit.
1: Yeah, sometimes you benefit right from not taking part. Like what would the discussion of like what would Holland have done at this World Cup? Is maybe more interesting than oh, he scored two goals. The real question is, right? He he could have played for England. You know what would this England team have looked like with Erling Holland there? Who starts up front? Harry Kane or Erling Holland? If you're coming into this World Cup and you're only putting one of them up front, that would have been a debate. Holland. You think so? I know you you don't really like Harry Kane, Ollie. So that's you know you're in the camp that thinks he's grossly I'd rather overrated. play Callum Wilson at this point.
0: Not, oh, not a good-looking enough scorer. No. Yeah, yeah, he does
1: well. He's well. There's a discussion: who's better looking, Harry Kane or Erling Holland? I think it's, I think Kane edges it. I
0: think it's Harry Kane. Yeah. <laughs> there's this so about the way Holland, like his his posture when he's like he's kind of like hunched he over, a little like an Neanderthal. <laughs>
2: yeah, he kind of is. You know.
1: Great life, but yeah, he's a little, he looks as if he's, you know, from a little bit earlier in the evolutionary chain of humanity. The Vikings? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if he was raping and pillaging in my village, I'd definitely be giving up, so. (laughs) So do we start with Group A then, Frank? I think you were on Group A, because you mentioned Qatar.
0: Yeah, I guess technically we are on Group A. So what of our what are our feelings on group A?
1: Not a great group. I mean I guess we can start with a pretty quick group. Kind of ruined, right, by Sadio Mane being out, so that sort of spoils the party a little bit for Senegal, who are still a good team, but I think for a lot of people coming into this tournament, they were they were a popular dark horse selection, right? And yeah, they still got some talent in their squad, but missing one of the best attacking players in the world is obviously damages their chances. And a shame for him. And
0: had won the the Cup of Africa, Cup of Nations. That's what it's called. Yeah. Right.
1: Um. So I. St- I st- so and
0: real quick, I guess we should say before you get into your picks, it's Qatar, Ecuador, Senegal, and the Netherlands yeah. are the foreign group A. Yeah.
1: This was always going to be the worst group because the host nation gets like automatically put into spot like one A in the draw. So this was always going to be one of the least exciting groups because of that. Because kind of losing a top seed from the group fundamentally. Um, I expect the Netherlands to win the group. I'll say that I still think, like, Ecuador are kind of garbage. So they just don't score goals. I don't see why that will suddenly change in a World Cup. So I'll say Senegal to finish second. Uh,
0: Ecuador currently ranked 44th, according to FIFA.
1: I, I, I guess I'll say Ecuador finished third. Cause I don't think they'll lose to Qatar and then Qatar fourth. Oh, you're going to do all four. Okay. In this situation, it was easy enough.
0: <laughs> and obviously for the, for the people who are very new to world cup, it's the top two from each group that will advance. So that's what you gotta, you gotta play to be in the top two. Yeah. So Ollie, what's your, what's your prediction for group A?
2: I've actually yeah <clears throat> followed you on that one i had obviously holland finishing top and without the male factor i had them progressing also as you said i can't really see ecuador now providing much um well and qatar Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty poor group. Holland have really struck gold, really, just to yeah to advance to the next stage. Um, I, I don't know much about Qatar and their football teams. I can't really comment on them. So, Well, that's the issue, right?
1: Qatar is this kind of unknown quantity in some respects, and they've spent the last like eight years giving tons of Brazilians passports. So. We don't know, (laughs) there might be some gems in there who we're unaware of to a certain degree, but it's just hard to, just the inexperience within their side and just the lack of quality. It's hard to imagine that they'll be able to really stand up against like some experienced teams there in Ecuador and Senegal. You still have teams who consistently cause problems for bigger teams. I think that would be the
0: the real issue. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think if you go to Group B, so I guess this year's World Cup is there isn't a true group of death, but I think there are a few groups that are much stronger than others. And I think while this wouldn't look like a strong group, I think Group B is a, is a pretty strong group for who will be the second, I think, who will be the second coming out. None of these teams are are really bad. I mean you, you look at group A, we just talked about Ecuador being forty-fourth and I think Qatar being like ranked fiftieth. Here you have Iran is the lowest ranked team right now, according to FIFA at their 20th rank. So you have four teams all within the top twenty. So not not too easy. And you, you could lose a match here, you know, with just some sloppy play and a little lack of effort. Let's be real, Wales are dog shit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think that, yeah, on paper, people are convincing themselves that this is a good group. Like, I think Wales and Iran are not great sides. Like, yeah, the USA are, are have potential and they've got some good players in there and they could cause a lot of teams problems if things go well for them. I don't think they're going to, you know, get into the serious latter stages of the competition, but like they could cause England problems in the group stages and then, you know, one or two, two teams an issue in the knockout stages if they get there. But, I mean, Wales will be trotting out Gareth Bale's corpse. And <laughs> if He's you can name a player who
2: plays... What are you talking about? <laughs> can, you know, like,
1: can you name a player who plays for Iran? You know, Man. How about that for a trivia question before we start complimenting <laughs> how tough of a tie that's going to be.
0: They're led at attack by Porto Star, Mehdi Tarimi.
1: No, they do have some players, but you know what I mean? Still seriously, though, like... It's, uh, there's not, he's
0: got 32 goals in his last 45 club matches for, for Porto. Yeah. I mean,
1: <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo is about to go to Portugal and score 70 goals in a season. So, so what's your pick then? I think England will win the group. I think the USA will finish second.
0: You give Wales no chance to finish second. None.
2: I, I'm It's the same again. Unfortunately, <laughs> England's to top and USA to progress. I'll put Wales third just because I, I think maybe they beat Iran,
1: but it wouldn't stun me. If if you told me Wales get no points in this World Cup, I wouldn't be amazed.
2: Yeah. Wales beat Iran. I, Gareth Bale I, overhead kick. That's, that's what's going to happen.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think there has to be a... I, there's no worry for US being a super young team that didn't even qualify in 2018 will be arrogant as usual. No,
1: because I mean, they do genuinely like, look, people, oh, we have this conversation a lot. People overstate how good that squad is because Americans love to talk about having, you know, X number of Premier League players or X number of Bundesliga players. And, and as we always like to point out, how many player, Premier League players, is, you know, are eligible to play for England? Like it's a lot more than there are American players playing in Europe. But still, there's some genuinely good players in that American squad. All of whom would be starting for. I mean, you just had to do the reverse. How many Welsh players start for the USA? That's. I always think that's just like people love to do this. You know, how many players would make the f- first eleven? It's kind of stupid because obviously systems are different, and sometimes players play better as a team than you know their individual abilities might suggest. But I don't know if a Welsh player makes the U.S. squad first eleven. So. Why would you not expect to beat them?
0: I mean, my concern is just watching them over this past year. Uh, all their international matches have been super underwhelming. I guess. I mean, they didn't even finish top. They didn't finish top of the group. All right. Well, let's. That's... They got demolished by Canada. Well, then let's look
1: through <laughs> Wales's recent form, right? Lost 1-0 to Poland. Lost 2-1 to Belgium. Lost 3-2 to the Netherlands. Drew with Belgium. Lost to the Netherlands. Beat Ukraine in a playoff. Lost to Poland beat Austria you know like you it's a hand this year they've won two matches they happen to be the two matches they really needed to win but it's not exactly spectacular form coming into this tournament so and look you should be just taking pride I'm gonna have to have a shower after the compliments I just gave to the United States so you know there's take it when you can get it Frank and don't try to convince me to change my mind
0: all right. So with that, we'll go to Group C. And here you have Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, and Poland. Do you think this then is, is a deep group? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. going to
1: ask me if a group with Saudi Arabia is a deep group? This is an Argentina will clearly win this group, and then it's a question of who, you know, what happens in Mexico versus Poland.
2: Mexico yeah. for me. I'll
1: go Poland. Well, this is our first time disagreeing. I think Lewandowski and I guess his final World Cup just gets manages to get Poland into the knockout stages.
2: I mean, I could, I could yeah, be wrong, and
0: but- uh, Argentina are on a what 36 match unbeaten streak i believe so argentina are coming in in very hot form and this will be messi's last world cup messi
1: didn't train today though so probably meaningless but possibility maybe that he's carrying some kind of a knock he's obviously missed some matches for psg so far this season so i guess that's a slight cause for concern but even without messi argentina have should have no difficulties in this group not having Messi could have implications for them later on, but they shouldn't need Messi until the
0: quarterfinals. And then, so you're going Poland, Eddie, and Ali's going Mexico? Yeah. So then move to group D. Now, is this Eddie considered the group of death? Because Christian Erikson's in it. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow.
2: no. Oh, wow. He's been
1: wow. lining that That's one a all day. For listeners, that's a joke that Frank is going to ask me later on if he can have edited out, and I'm going to say no. So
0: <laughs> that's um, – Well, I think now that he's okay and everything is fine. How bad are you going to be feel if, if something happens now? Um, yeah. Well, as we discussed, I, I was on the firm side of he should never play again.
1: Yeah, I think most people were.
0: Uh, yeah. So in this group, you have France – Denmark, Australia, and Tunisia.
1: Yeah, this is. I think this is a pretty straightforward group. France will win it. I think Denmark second. I've actually watched some of Australia's matches in recent hit times because I watched some of their qualifiers and it was painful. So I have. This is. You know, Australia have had some talented players over the last sort of couple of decades and this is not one of those times. And they're squad looks pretty terrible and I just don't see how I, like I, it's difficult to imagine how they can really compete with the likes of France and Denmark. Is that silent agreement or silent
2: disagreement from Ollie? That is silent agreement. Yeah. Again, maybe not as watched as many of you have Eddie, but yeah, I've, I've seen Australia a few times and it's been, been painful.
1: I don't want to make it out I was tuning in for all their matches. I think I watched three. And three was enough for me to know there was nothing special. I wasn't missing out on, you know, I should kind of waking up in the morning and seeing match reports from Australia and thinking that I was missing out on some future star. There's <laughs> There are no hidden gems in this Australian team.
2: No, I, I can agree with you there. So, yeah, for me, France to, to top the group and. Christian Erickson to come second.
0: So I wanted to stop here and ask what's the level of concern for France with some of their injuries right now?
1: Again, for the group, none. For okay. the World Cup itself. Yeah, I think it's significant. I think you know, they're not they've not been in great form, right, during the whole qualification period and stuff. They're there just seems to be some level of dissent within the team, which is very French, right? They sometimes come into these tournaments and they don't really like each other. And the wheels come off pretty quickly. Like it's, you know,
0: by like each other, do you mean have, have each other cursed by voodoo doctors?
1: yeah. Yeah, no, even for them, you know, I don't think this is going to be as catastrophic as like 2010 when you had players walking out of the camp and stuff. Like, I don't think it's that bad, but you know, this is just the nature of French football. It's they win a World Cup, or they get very late in the World Cup, and then, and then all of a sudden, they all hate each other. Um, I think they suffer a little bit, right, from you know what Pat Riley, he, the t- terminology I think it was the disease of me, like the idea that after you experience some success, everyone starts focusing less on the team objectives and more on their individual sort of you know accolades and, and achievements um there's still a ton of talent in that squad though so you know i think though they're a threat to win the tournament and they'll be difficult for anyone to beat but i don't expect them to win the tournament
0: how many times has a country repeated as a champion in the world cup oh boy
1: so brazil did it i'll say twice
2: I'm gonna go with
0: the with just the ones. So it's been twice: Italy and Brazil. There we go. Have both won? Back Finally to back. got one right. <laughs> there you go.
1: When so was Italy though? In ten. thirty-four and thirty doesn't count. <laughs> All he gets it right. <laughs> All right. Do we go on
0: to and then? We move on to Group E, which is Spain and Germany, Japan, and Costa Rica. Is this, Eddie, the group of death? Um, so I think the groups of death are either. Don't spoil it. Uh,
1: well, if I'm going to label <laughs> we'll the group of death, I kind of have to throw <laughs> in what else might be the group of death. I think it's either. I don't really think this is a group of death because I think Germany and Spain go through. I th- I think more likely you'd say the group of deaths are sort of like group G where the battle for second becomes really difficult. And maybe even Group H. Where you can kind of make a legitimate argument for all of the teams maybe having a good tournament. So I'd say this one, I don't know. I just think Germany haven't been great over the last four years. Spain seem to be finding their feet a bit. They've obviously got a lot of young, talented players in their squad. So I guess some of the concern is there's a bit of an experience. And... You're relying on some young players really taking a step forward, but I'll put I'll, I think Spain will win the group and Germany will finish second.
2: Oh, we have a we have another disagreement here. I've gone for for Germany to top the group, and the Spanish to, to follow up in the second spot. I just think Germany. where well, you touched on Spain have a, a relatively young squad, lack of experience, obviously a lot of quality. I just think the Germans obviously negotiate tournaments well. Um, I can see them topping this, uh, this tussle between the Spanish.
0: Could this be a Germany coming off of a pretty embarrassing previous world cup and having that extra motivation that they're going to not repeat as a early
1: loser <laughs> Well, obviously i mean they had two back to you know back to back to a couple of disappointing tournaments obviously going out in the group stages of the last world cup which is the first time that had ever happened to them in their history and then you know they were knocked out in the first knockout stages in the euros by england so you know that's too it's not often that germany have consecutive disappointing tournaments you kind of already went over the statistics right of them winning the most matches and making the semifinals and the finals more than any other side. So just on a historical basis, I guess the safe bet is to kind of do what all he's doing and expect that they, you know, find their form again. And then this is a German side that, you know, at least makes the semifinals, but I don't know. I haven't been impressed with them over the past few months and who knows if History would tell you they know how to turn things on in major tournaments, I guess.
2: And let's not forget the uh, young Dortmund wonderkid in Makuku, or if that's close yeah. to pronunciation. Yeah. He could uh, he could be a player to potentially uh, light up the World Cup.
1: Yeah, he's a good candidate for... He, he does get a little bit overlooked, right, just because Dortmund don't get that much attention. Obviously, football manager players have been very aware of him for a few seasons, but in, in the Bundesliga, he gets a bit of attention, but to kind of wider audiences, he's still very much an unknown. So this is a good opportunity for him. I'm sure a lot of people will be Googling
2: him if he scores a few goals for Germany. Well, you, you could probably see him be transferred from Dortmund for Huge amounts of money to an English club to Bayern,
1: whatever, yeah. <laughs> like every other Dortmund player, you know.
2: <laughs> Dort Dortmund is
0: Bayern's feeder, greatest minor league. Yeah, their feeder, feeder <laughs> club. Feeder. Yeah. <laughs> so we can go to Group F, where we have Belgium, Canada, Morocco, and Croatia. So Croatia. Uh, the classic runners up of the last world cup uh too much of our disappointment here on the podcast <laughs> what do we think here is it is it end of days for croatia or can they can they repeat Uh oh, their squad's getting really old you know they're <laughs> really old i mean these are actually i think modric's uh 75 yeah these
1: are actually kind <laughs> of two aging squads right this feels like there's golden generations for both Belgium and Croatia, and this might be the last roll of the dice for both of them. I mean, Belgium will have a few players who hang on for a while, but you know there are a number of key players coming towards the end of their careers, at least from an international sort of major tournament perspective. Uh, you know, this Belgium team, if they're fully, if they're all fit, it's a sort of as good of a first eleven as you're going to be able to put out there. The question is injuries and suspensions. Like, there's not a tremendous amount of depth. I still think I don't think Croatia will go particularly far in this tournament. I think Belgium will top the group. Croatia will come second.
2: Yep, we're in agreement there. Um, Yeah, Croatia come second in the next round. Yeah, that's them gone. And to be fair, well, I'm probably getting ahead of myself here. I think, yeah, that group is not really earmarked for much in the tournament. I think they've Two teams progress, then that's them. That's them done. Oh, a teaser for all these predictions for the first knockout round. Indeed. Wow.
0: I th- I think Canada are going to get the second spot here. Do you really? I got into your head. I actually this do. This is your prediction. Yeah. Okay. I would take what Canada are they? to finish what second. Are they hockey hockey right. I think they're the best team yeah. in North America. I'd... Well, that might be out of Canada. Out of. U.S. and Mexico and Canada. Really? I, I know they play. have a
2: lot of exciting players,
0: but... They just play well. As a t- I mean, watching... Because, I mean, I watched most of those qualifying matches and, and they look the best out of those three every time. They're just... They, they play well together. They're aggressive. I mean, you watch Mexico and it's awful when you watch... I them mean, this players. is a
1: risk on your taking, right? Because you've basically made no other predictions so far through the group stages. So our only takeaway is going to be Frank thinks Canada are qualifying. You're putting
0: well. I I mean, because obviously I've mostly agreed. I know, I know. I'm just saying you haven't said much,
1: so this is like eggs in the all of your eggs in the in the Canadian basket here. Three to one to qualify, Frank.
0: Get on. I love it. All right, and then we go to Group G, which is Brazil, Switzerland, Cameroon, and Serbia.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this is the best group, right? You can make a case for pretty much all of these teams. Switzerland have been pretty consistent in major tournaments recently. They're not exciting. They don't really score goals, but defensively very solid. Serbia were extremely impressive in qualification, kind of reverse of Switzerland, like play a nice brand of attacking football. So, and then Cameroon, you know, they're decent at the moment it's not the best generation that they've produced but and they're not coming into it necessarily in the best form but they still got some good players within that squad so they'll be difficult for a lot of teams to beat i think brazil will win the group and i think serbia will qualify for the knockout stages for the first time in their history
2: you're in agreement again i went for serbia i just think their uh, their attacking players can, can cause some, cause some teams some problems. I mean, big Mitrovic up front, and Flahic, obviously for Juve. We've got some uh, good attacking players there. So I, I think yeah, they've got more to offer really than the Swiss and the Cameroon team. So, yep, we're in agreement. So interesting
0: to note, last World Cup, uh, all three of these. Uh, countries were in the same group, and it went Brazil, Switzerland, and Serbia in that one. So Serbia are looking to maybe avenge Switzerland here and and moving up and bumping them out of the uh, the group stage here.
1: Then you want to move us on to the the final group.
0: Yep. So we can go to Group H, and that is Ghana, oh boy, South Korea, Uruguay, and Portugal.
1: Yeah, it's kind of another compelling group, right? Because, he, again, you can make a legitimate case for all of them. Uruguay, another team where they've got some key players coming towards the end of their careers. Same for Portugal, obviously, with Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, South Korea, you've got Son, assuming he's going to be able to to play. You mean the Phantom of the Opera? Yeah. Uh <laughs> Kind of quick recovery time from the injury that he had. I guess the the mask that he'll have to wear protects him a little bit, but it's a bit of an injury risk. And they do need him, right? Um, I think Portugal win the group, and I'll pick Uruguay to finish second.
2: We are definitely singing from the same hymn tonight by a couple of lines. Yeah, I've, I've I've gone the same. Portugal to top, and. I think Uruguay uh, due to the the sort of uh experience if you like in tournaments maybe we'll have that slight edge so well we'll see tough group as you've already said tough group
0: now that, let me I'm going to throw a random one out to both of you who is the most talented player in this year's world cup oof that's a tough question, actually. I'll, 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 if, I'll, I'll put it, maybe, maybe I'll put it this way. It might be a little better. If you had to, if you had the first pick to start a club, who's your pick going to be?
1: And I'm wanting to anyone, win now. Anyone
0: that's playing in this World Cup.
1: i like, want to win straight away or I'm building a team?
0: Win now. Yeah, like the best right now.
1: Oh. Probably Mbappe, I guess, is the safest pick.
0: Yeah. What about De Bruyne? He's the, yeah. There's uh, solid
1: arguments can be made for Kevin De Bruyne.
0: I mean, he's on form, right? I, I talk about being on form. I think he's having a great season so far.
1: Yeah. No. He he he's he's probably the best midfielder in the world. But I mean, I guess the argument we would have if I don't have any, if I don't know what else I'm going to have in my team, at least with just the raw pace of Mbappe, you kind of know you're going to cause people problems no matter what. Whereas Kevin De Bruyne. As wonderful as he is, if he was just surrounded by awful players, like how, you know, those through balls and stuff might be a little bit less (laughs) dangerous. You know, you know that with Mbappe, you could just knock balls over the top and have him chase them. And every once in a while, he's going to do something pretty special. So I guess that takes us on to the knockout stages, which I guess we can run through maybe our predictions pretty quickly to see. I at least have my... Based on those predictions, I know what my knockout round would look like. All the R's would look pretty similar, but we have a couple of disagreements. Correct. Um, I guess we can maybe go through the ones where we both agree. So we, for example, both have the Netherlands playing the USA. Correct. Where I have the Netherlands going through. Same again. Uh, we both have argentina playing denmark correct and i have argentina going through same again (laughs) Um, (laughs) i mean (laughs) we both have england playing senegal
2: we know the answer to this one (laughs) and
1: i've got england going through (laughs) yep where we have a disagreement i have france playing poland and and you would have france playing mexico mexico But I have France going through.
0: I don't think it matters. I'm going to assume
1: (laughs) you have France going through as well. Correct. (laughs) Just, yeah. One where it will matter, I guess, technically. This is the first one where we have a disagreement then of significance. I have Spain playing Croatia, and you have Germany playing Croatia. Correct. I have Spain going through. I'm guessing you have Germany going through.
2: Yes, I do. We... Both have Brazil
1: playing Uruguay. Yes. And I'm going to assume we both have Brazil going through. Correct. <laughs> then I have Belgium playing Germany and you have Belgium playing Spain. Yes. And I think we might disagree on this because I'm going to have Belgium going through. Spain to go through.
0: All right. This is wow. the first. So b- before we move on. Yeah.
1: Well, we got one more rep.
0: Both of you have played it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: And then we've got... P- we both have Portugal playing Serbia. Correct. I'll I'll say I've got I'm uh, giving Portugal a slight edge, but it wouldn't surprise me if Serbia went through.
2: Uh, I, I went Portugal.
1: Okay.
0: Okay. Now that we finished that, both of you have gone pretty much to chalk with the probably what will be the favorite team in most of those matchups. Yeah. Are you concerned that there's no? Oh sleeper team moving on i mean even like if you were to say like a croatia you know a team like that that kind of wasn't in the traditional top 10 that keeps moving along are you a little concerned right now that you just have all the big dogs
1: i think there are far fewer surprises in the world cup than sometimes people going into the tournament like to think like there's weird world cups where weird things happen but for the most part like when you get to the quarterfinal semifinals like there's none there's not usually that many surprises at that stage of the tournament. So I'm not, you know, there's sometimes when we do these picks where you kind of feel as if you need to put some upsets in there. Like if you're doing March madness or something like it's just not going to go, the favorites are not just going to keep winning. And I I wouldn't stun me if we're basically right. I mean, you'd obviously, if I'm making the predictions, I should expect them to be correct. But if you see what I mean, like I don't, Yeah, there'll probably be a surprise team in there. Someone will have a really bad performance in the knockout stages in the first round or something. But for the most part, I think we're probably pretty accurate. Although this round for each of us kind of looks different. We both have Netherlands playing Argentina. And I have Argentina winning that. Same again. (laughs) And we both have England playing France. This is where it's heart versus head territory for Massively, me. Massively, yes. Because the heart very much says England, the head very much says France. Yeah, and I think I I
0: I, now, I have to do the now. Do, you, do you, does the head really say France? I mean, I know they're defending champions, but we discussed they do have a lot of injuries, and I don't think I don't think they're of the quality that they were last World Cup. They're not
1: but this is England we're talking about right so i can count on one hand the number of times i've watched an england team knock out a significant opponent in the you know in the knockout stages of a major tournament like it's a pretty short list in the last 3 decades so that has no impact necessarily on what is going to happen in this match but it would be difficult to be an England fan coming into this with a lot of confidence. History would just tell you France will win. Like, that's, you know, like that's just the way it works, you know? Um,
2: but I'll say England. Yeah. I had this, exactly the same dilemma there. Really wanted to say France, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. <laughs> in, and just in like that, rigorous. both
0: your brackets are busted. <laughs> yeah. We might have been
1: near on perfect up until this moment until we went, oh let's let our hearts decide what we do for this. Yep. Yeah. And so then you have Germany playing Brazil. Correct. I have Spain playing Brazil. Do so we have the same I thing? I think to Brazil go will I think Brazil will go through.
2: I pick Brazil also to beat the Germans.
1: And then you have germany playing portugal and i
2: have belgium playing portugal no 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 germany no, you don't germany just play brazil i have spain versus portugal. oh yeah you have spain spain
1: uh oh, yeah 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 i see yeah yeah so i have belgium knocking out portugal
2: i have the portuguese knocking out the spanish okay Cristiano Swang song he's on it so
0: Eddie, you and I have very similar brackets. Oh dear. The, not <laughs> no. good. The, the final four are the same. Oh dear. The only difference I have is I had Brazil beating Germany. Okay. And you had Brazil beating Spain. Spain. And that's the only and difference. And this so if,
1: far. if if my predictions are, are true so far, this is where as an England supporter, I get really excited <laughs> because we both have the same semifinal on one side, which is Argentina against Brazil, and I have Brazil winning this.
0: That would be a classic matchup, yeah, huge. That would be exciting. That would be exciting to watch. Talk about, talk about some rivalry. I mean, <laughs> uh,
1: this would be the annoying semifinal, no matter what the matchup is on the other side, where you'd have a lot of people saying, this is, should really be the final. Isn't it a shame that Argentina have to play Brazil in the semifinal, and they can't play each other in the final? That would be the discussion for three or four days in the build up to this match.
2: Yep, I I have Brazil.
1: And okay, Okay. so we've both put Brazil into the final on one side. And then the reason why I would be so excited is I have England playing Belgium. (laughs) And, uh, And I would actually, whereas I would have no confidence really in England playing France, I would have total confidence in England playing Belgium. So I then have England making the final and
0: oh dear yeah. Eddie this is a very
1: similar bracket you and I have and, and Ollie you have England playing Portugal Portugal
0: which I'm guessing I would per- I think I'd feel more confident really
2: I, I fancy the <laughs> I'd rather play
0: Portugal I think than I fancy Belgium.
2: the Portuguese and I had a similar to the wow. previous round it was a head over heart situation
1: I mean so let's say you're right Ollie that we've got four days of people saying Brazil and Argentina should be the real final. And then we have four days of constant replays of 2004 and 2006 of Portugal knocking England out of major tournaments. You have to prepare yourself for just watching endless penalty shootouts of of Portugal knocking England out of Cristiano Ronaldo getting Wayne Rooney sent off. <laughs> that's just like all we'll see for
2: nearly a week. Unfortunately, that's how I've, I've got it. And I, re- I really, I'm, I fancy Portugal to go all the way, but my my heart is winning this and I'm going to have to say England to progress. So that means we both have England playing Brazil Correct. in the final. <laughs> what a fun
0: Okay, this is where we might differ.
1: <laughs> I, and I have Brazil winning
0: it. I have Brazil winning it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> England to win the World Cup. Come on. <laughs> okay.
1: So... Oh,
2: come on. Just... We brought this guy on just to be another right.
0: person who thinks England's going to win. I mean, in
1: fairness, we all put them in the final. We all put them in the final, so we can't really be too critical of his selections because we just picked them to win one extra match. But, uh, I mean, yeah, that's. Uh... And I guess it's worth saying then in the third place playoff, I have Argentina playing Belgium. And all of you have Portugal. Argentina playing yeah. Portugal. And I'll say Argentina will win the third place playoff.
2: I said why well, went Portugal? If that was to occur, right. So yeah, that's um
0: I had Belgium winning third place. Right. Well there <laughs> That's our only difference, Eddie.
1: <laughs> I mean, look, what a world cup that would be. I it would annoy in all of neutrals. I know how much people hate England being successful. I know people will listen to this and think what a typical. I would say this is the first time in my lifetime I would have ever picked England to make the final of the World Cup. I well, want that as a disclaimer because, you know, so I. It's not as if just every World Cup that rolls around, I put England into the final. But I'm also acknowledging I kind of expect them to lose in the quarterfinals. So, <laughs> kind of a weird balancing act there.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. Spot on there. They could quite easily exit at the quarterfinal and Gareth could be on his merry way. That's the larger discussion, right? Like, what do England need to do in this tournament for Southgate to keep his job? I think minimum. Expectation has to be the semis, really. I can't see. Yeah. I can't see a, a quarterfinal defeat good enough, really. Well, it's a it's a weird one, right? Because
1: I think most people of England are playing France in the quarters. France will be the favourites. So, in some respects, he, I think he'll lose his job in if they lose that. Even though people would have expected them to lose it, in a strange way, I think losing in the semifinals if they're playing Belgium or Portugal where they then be favorites. I think people might even be more upset about that because then they'll just think this is like the Gareth Southgate that we've come to know, which is you get to like a winnable opponent and
0: like Croatia, let's say.
1: Yeah. Or Italy, (laughs) you know, like whoever it is and, (laughs) and just come up short at that moment in time. So that would be my fear for him in some respects is like, Anything short of sort of losing to Brazil in the final or maybe Argentina, every other possible outcome probably involves him leaving, sort of hanging up his waistcoat at the end of the tournament.
2: Will it be too warm for him to wear a waistcoat?
1: Oh, that's this. This could be the. This could be the story that needs to be written about the impact that the non waistcoated Gareth Southgate has on England's performances. Hopefully it's got like a linen waistcoat or something.
0: Well, I I mean, there is air conditioning at all the stadiums. Yeah. But then there's a larger discussion to be had about
1: why the impact of this World Cup on climate change and why are we cooling a World Cup stadium enough in a desert so that Gareth Southgate can comfortably (laughs) wear a waistcoat.
0: Which I also thought they said that they're like it's the most eco-friendly world cup which just doesn't make sense to me
1: yeah i think some of the math has been fudged a little bit on that but it's it's like it's a weird world kind of cooling their system they're using right somehow i don't know i don't i'm both not totally interested or totally understand it but there's there's some kind of cool it's not like pure air conditioning that they're using so it's somehow slightly better but i don't i don't buy it for a second
2: um,
0: And I guess if we just take a quick look at the odds, you have Brazil are favored at, I have met seven to two, three to one, seven to two, Uh, then Argentina uh, are about five to one, six to one, then France and uh, seven to one, and then England, Spain are both eight to one. So if you think England are going to win, is eight to one a decent value? Well, I mean,
1: if you think they're going to win, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but is eight to one good value? I think eight to one is probably about fair value. I would say it's hard to look at the teams. I mean, I guess Ollie would say Portugal at sixteen to one. I guess you could argue both of us. We what about Belgium? Yeah, Belgium at eighteen to one, and I have put them in the semi-final. So I guess based on our predictions, the value are Portugal and Belgium at eighteen to one and sixteen to one, respectively. Although neither one of us put them in the final, so.
2: <laughs> My head you did, know. but not my heart.
0: Yeah, oh. <laughs> Belgium are three to one to make the semifinal, and Portugal are five to two to make the semifinal.
1: And in, so, in some ways, right, the big value. If I look at it, it's, the Netherlands are both too short and too long, like twelve to one, which is around about where they are in most places. I don't think they're that great of a side, so that's kind of the, those odds are too short. But because of how easy their group is, and then easy, like even their first knockout round opponent should be fairly winnable. If you're kind of penciling them in already to the quarterfinals, having a team at 12 to 1 where you can feel pretty confident they might only have to win three difficult matches, that's not bad. I don't expect them to do it, but.
0: I guess one more uh, future or anti post bet would be top goal scorer.
1: Yeah, I mean, we both have England in the final, so I bet we've, we've, you got to make a strong case for Harry Kane if England are in the final. No, I think it will be um, Harry Kane.
0: He is currently leading the market at seven to one. Yeah, like, he doesn't—he
2: doesn't come off for England, though, does he? Gareth no. plays him the full ninety. Yeah, I mean the strong
1: arguments based on our predictions, right? You'd have to say Harry Kane seven to one. If our predictions are correct, you probably have to rule Mbappe out because who's second favorite at eight to one because
0: Neymar 12 to one
1: Neymar at 12 to one. It's just like, I mean, it's how many penalties do you think Brazil are going to get?
0: So if Ali is correct and we are wrong, Eddie, then this would be the longest drought for South America as a continent in not winning the world cup. It'll have been over 20 years since 2002 so if they win, that won't be the record. It'll still hold. But if they lose, that will now make the longest drought for South America. So a lot riding on Argentina and Brazil.
1: Yeah, particularly on Brazil, right? Because a lot of people are getting very excited about how talented this generation of Brazilian footballers are in their front three and things. And and also, you know, there's, I think it's nice timing, right? Because you're 20 years removed from that 2002 Brazilian side, which probably the best Brazilian side in modern history, sort of modern being kind of our generations, right? Not modern, not obviously 19, Brazil 1970 is considered to be the best international team of all time. But yeah, I don't know. I I think Brazil are rightfully favorites. But then sometimes I then think to myself, Richarlison is going to be playing a major part in this Brazilian team. How confident would I be if I said Richarlison was playing a major part in this England team? There's those weird moments where if you named Richarlison like Danny Richards and he was playing for England, how great would I feel about him? Sometimes you can just get convinced, you know, by like those exotic (laughs) names. It's true though. Like sometimes you just have to do that equation in your head where like if you made England, every England player gave them some, you know, Brazilian sounding name, like Caninho would be, you know, people would be, you know, Ollie would be creaming himself if Canino was was like starting up front. For, Har- Harry Canino, yeah. <laughs> Harrelson Canino was starting up front for Chelsea.
0: No, don't no, just Canino. That's yeah, it. I mean, <laughs> just it just goes my Canino be the greatest player of all time, and and that's
1: a little simplistic. But I do genuinely think there are arguments with that sometimes. England players, English players, can be vastly overrated. But I think normally what happens with England English players is they're overrated for a period of their career. They're probably never properly rated, and then they're sort of underrated. Like wh- what
0: if they have what if they have a really unique name, like Samuel Jones? Oh yeah,
1: that's so exotic. If you told me Samuel Jones is playing in this World Cup, I'd be like, "Is he starting up front for Brazil or Portugal?"
0: You don't hear it very often.
1: No. It's such a, such a unique name. Uncommon first name, uncommon second name. You know, it's it's just quite the combination.
0: So are there any... I mean, I shouldn't put it that way. What matches are you most looking forward to in the group stage?
1: Germany, Spain, probably.
0: I think that's probably like... I think England, US has to go on there. I mean... I mean, which which the US will be quite confident right because they have a pretty good recent record against England in World Cup yeah.
1: like England US there's some storylines right but if you're a total neutral in that match i don't think it's particularly exciting you know like i think germany like germany spain it's just like a fixture rife with history you're talking about two of the you know giants of world football that's the one that on paper seems the most compelling.
2: Argentina Mexico? Would that be a a tussle? No, oh, or... you
1: just you just love Mexico. Many many you know, of them you have had too much old El Paso recently what? or something. I don't know what's going on
2: there. <laughs> I've got my Mexican shirt already.
0: One weekend in Cancun and it's changed his life. <laughs> <laughs> Spring break had a lasting effect on
2: uh,
1: on Ollie.
0: Spring Break 2004 just, just changed Ollie's <laughs> life in Cancun.
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess Argentina. I mean, I think Argentina-Mexico is kind of on a par with the England-USA
0: in a way. So that leads me to, I guess will be my final question. What was the first year the World Cup had a live television transmission? Um, I think it was 66.
1: You know, Although sixty-six might be the first year there was color, but then that being said, like all the footage you see is black
2: and white. Yeah, no. I Gordon, think it's sixty-six. Yeah, it was definitely black and white. They remastered it, didn't they? Into color. Um. Yeah. But then
1: seventy is definitely color, right? Because seventy, like the Gordon Banks save, is that seventy or seventy-four against Pele? That's seventy, right? That's and that's always in color. color. You see that yeah. save in
0: color. Oh, yeah, it's. I, I think yeah, sixty six. So it was actually nineteen fifty four. in mean, in Switzerland. If you're to post World War, if II. any of
1: your statistics are
0: to be believed, I guess. It was televised, but how many people actually had live televisions <laughs> and were watching it? Yeah,
1: who knows? Just people in the stadium. <laughs> Speaking of which, I'll ask that question. Ollie's a big flash scores pro- proponent, right? With which we all are. Uh, it's it's always interesting.
0: Wait, 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 wait. What does that mean? Like that fl- that having flash scores on or off can affect no, the no. outcome of That's a game. That's just me.
1: <laughs> just using flash okay. scores for
0: updates. <laughs> okay.
1: I always find it interesting when I step into a live event. Sometimes I still check flash scores. For an event I'm watching, just out of habit, I'm just checking like flash scores for an event I'm watching live, even though obviously there's no way it's faster. If you see
0: watching live, like in, I'm the, in stadium, the stadium, or watching live on no, television. No, no, I'm in the stadium.
1: Okay. Television can kind of make sense because you're probably dealing with like a yeah. fifteen to 30, you can be on 15 to thirty second delay. Flash scores can beat you, but I mean literally be in the stands watching it and i'm definitely gonna get that faster right and then just out of habit i'm not saying i'm doing it because i think it's smart but just like out of habit be like oh let me see the flash scores it's just i'm conditioned at this point
2: (laughs) i have no words i have no words
1: i did it during the blackburn west ham match i was at (laughs) and laughed about it and then West Ham scored, and then I kind of waited for 15 seconds. I was like, "Oh, big chance, West Ham! Big chance!"
0: <laughs> now here's a question: If you were at when you were at the when you were at the match, did you turn off flash scores when Rovers were down? No,
1: I never. Well, I never had the updates on. Um,
0: I thought you were going to say I'd never had. <laughs> That's what you are
1: just going to say. <laughs> no, I never had the updates on. I wasn't then, because it was a League Cup match, right? I wasn't, like, nervous during it. I went in expecting West Ham to win, and it was kind of just like a free roll of the dice. Like, I, and obviously going to the penalty shootout, I wanted them to win, and you kind of get a little bit nervous. But, like, I wasn't going to lose sleep over Blackburn getting knocked out there. If that had been a playoff like semi-final or final, then yes, my superstitions would have j- definitely come out, but not for not for that match.
0: So any other World Cup 2022 preview facts, excitement, worries. Um here, I'll I'll throw one out at both of you. Where does it go wrong for England?
2: Me having the left gets onto the pitch.
1: <laughs> I guess the thing that's scary is it's difficult to look at this group and see it going wrong in the group. Like, I could see England losing a group game. Like, if you told me the USA beat England, I wouldn't be stunned. If you see what I mean. Like, there's if they play each other 10 times, the USA is definitely winning one or two of those, right? So, I'm not. It's just, I, this feels like a group where England could a- afford to lose one match and still you'd expect them to at least win the other two. So kind of, it's kind of hard to see it going wrong in the group stages because of that fact. At the same time, like if they draw with a or something in the opening match,
2: panic buttons will be pressed, right? Um, so say something did go wrong and they finished second, that would alter the path to the final. That might throw an interesting twist. See them, Yeah. Would you see them qual- uh, qualifying past Holland?
1: Yeah, I think so. And then... I mean, definitely winning the group is the... I don't want to go down the 2018 path where people were deciding, like, was it better to finish first or second in the group in the end clearly it was better to finish second right that was the easier path path to the final yeah in <laughs> this time around clearly the easier path to the final is winning the group because you shouldn't be on the same side as germany as uh, brazil or argentina
2: so you wouldn't fancy you like to... england versus argentina in the quarterfinals and on the other side <sighs> no no i don't want to be
0: I would much rather face France than Argentina. I don't want to be
1: part of the messy last World Cup storyline. You know what I mean like especially with the history between England and Argentina and all of that like I don't want to be watching and I then don't want him pulling off something spectacular and people talking about then the parallels with Maradona. You know like there's there's just so much bad history for England when it comes to playing Argentina in knockout games. I want no part of it. Like France, I mean, the nice thing about playing France is in our lifetimes, right? There's not, as far as I can think of, the only time England and France have played each other in a major tournament in our lives is 2004 in the group stages when Zidane scored the two late goals and Beckham missed the penalty, but it was the group stages. It kind of didn't matter. I don't have a ton of like. There wouldn't be Argentina. It's just all negative. Brazil. It's two thousand and two. Negative. You know what I mean? Like there's just. I mean, it's it's mostly most big teams. It's negative. But like, there's a few I just don't want. I wouldn't believe. I don't know.
2: I. You've a. Canino versus Messi, no, and I to, think Messi wins. You've got to beat the big teams to be the best team. Mm.
1: You do, and I think that's always the argument for like you don't, you know, like going back to 2018 of trying to avoid the better, like to actively like finish second in a group to try and avoid good teams. I don't, I don't think there's any logic to that. But when it's like win your group, you're gonna have to play. Like we're we've still predicted them to play a number of like big teams, right? We've got them playing France or Belgium or Portugal. You know, like there's good teams there on their path to the final. It's just. Their favorites in most of those, whereas they definitely wouldn't be favorites against Argentina. They definitely wouldn't be favorites against Brazil. Just delay that, and who knows? Maybe there's a surprise on the you know maybe you get the you get up like France in two thousand eighteen you get to the final and go, "Oh shit, we're playing Croatia, that's pretty nice, you know like that's <laughs> but no, it feels weird to think that the World Cup kicks off in just over a day does not feel like it. But I am looking forward to being in a bar at two o'clock in the afternoon on Monday, watching England play a World Cup match.
0: So, yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited to be in a bar at six a.m. watching England play a World you're Cup match. I mean,
2: you <laughs> going to the English bar uh, pub, Frank? Yes, I will be
0: going. Very good especially USA England I'll be going to the English pub. Well that's
1: at a nicer time, right? Which
0: that's that's an afternoon kickoff. Yeah, yeah that's going to be a lot of fun. Day after Christmas uh Christmas I keep saying Christmas. Day after Thanksgiving 12 noon kickoff will be exciting.
1: Yeah, that's kind of prime. It's a really nice time in the USA, but yeah, it's, yeah. Uh... it's
0: a nice time for all the Americans to have the day off, sit around the television and watch Harry Kane light them up for at least three. Well,
1: Kane's injured then. That's the Duke <laughs> of Curse on him.
0: <laughs> I'll send a message. Uh, I just got a flash score update. Kane, Kane's got a knock <laughs> in practice. I'll send a
1: message to Callum Wilson, tell him that he's about to get a lot of playing time in this World Cup. <laughs> I mean, look, I think the other thing that's disappointing, just in terms of the anticipation of the World Cup, is just how shit the opening match is. Like the fact that it's Qatar, Ecuador in the first match, and that that's the only match of the day. Like the previous, like Russia, I think Russia played Saudi Arabia maybe in the opening match of the 2018 World Cup. But like that was an early kickoff and then they had another match afterwards. So you kind of at least get into, like when there's multiple World Cup matches on the same day, you can kind of accept them not being great just because it's like a World Cup day. But the fact that you have Qatar-Ecuador as a shit match and there's nothing else. That's gonna be not
0: great. Alright, well I guess with that we'll wrap it up. Ollie, thanks for joining yeah, us. No, thank you for having
2: me. It's been a pleasure.
0: Well, I'll talk to you boys later. See ya. <laughs>